everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. I, I love dreamers, and uh, you've maybe heard me share this, and this is kind of an updated story of a, of a guy who is a pretty big dreamer. Uh, but dreams are important. I want to talk about visions. I want to talk about dreams again this morning. The next week, we're going to talk about uh, just the beauty of servitude and how God uses all of us here. And then we're jumping into a Lenten series that's just going to kind of tie it up all together. And then on Palm Sunday, we're going to do something really amazing. And I'm not going to tell you about that yet. Uh, and, and I'm going to leave the country in a couple of weeks. And uh, uh, don't call me. I'm going to be in Israel. And then I'm going up and I'm going to sit amongst the ruins of Corinth and Athens and uh, dream of you or my wife who will be with me. Uh, and uh, so uh, Debbie and I are taking a couple of weeks off and uh, fulfilling a, a bucket list, and that is to go to the Holy Land. But um, we're right around the corner from Lent. It's just just at the end of this month, we start uh, Ash Wednesday. But I want to talk about vision and how it can apply to our lives today. In fact, uh, you may be, now that we have the internet, uh, when I first shared this illustration, there was no such thing as an internet that I recall, but now you can actually Google Larry Walters, and uh, don't do it now. If somebody goes to their phone, grab their phone away from, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. And uh, so Larry's this truck driver in L.A., but his, long, his, lo his lifelong dream is to fly, right? And this wasn't just something that, you know, that just came up. At the age of 13, he went into a store and he saw a weather balloon hanging from the ceiling or floating on the ceiling or something like that. And that was the beginning of his dream. That's when something clicked. He says, I have an idea. I think I can fly with a weather balloon. So fast forward literally 20 years, and Larry walks into a local Army-Navy surplus store with, get this, his girlfriend's credit card. That's the way you do this, guys. And bought 45 weather balloons. Now these, a blue, it's not like the party balloons. These are seven to eight feet across, okay? 45 of these babies went home, strapped 40, blew them up, had to get a lot of helium, blew them up and strapped them to a Sears and Roebuck lawn chair that he paid $109 for. And I'm thinking, this is 1982. Why are you paying $109 for a lawn chair in 1982? It must have been special. And it had to be special in light of what was taking place here on this day. So he, he, he tied up all these balloons, filled them all up, had them tethered, and then t strapped his chair to the front of his Jeep, got in his chair, uh, packed a sandwich and some beer and uh, his camera and a parachute just in case just in case you want to make sure. And uh, by the way, no seat belt, no seat belt in the lawn chair, sat in the chair. One of the tethers broke and he starts to lift off. They cut him. And instead of just, you know, uh, gently lofting and, uh, you know, rising up into the air, he floated at like a thousand feet a minute. And instead of leveling off at 7,000 feet, he leveled off at 16,000 feet. All right, you can hardly breathe up there, and it's very cold. That's three miles above sea level, all right? And instead of kind of drifting over in the Mojave Desert or wherever he wanted to go, you know, because he's in L.A., and you, you think all those westerly winds, you want to get away from the city. For some reason, the wind was blowing the wrong direction. He's going towards the ocean, and he enters the corridor of Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, okay? And a Pan Am flight, as well as a Delta flight, spots him. Uh, and according to one source, you know, the pilot looks out his window, and there's a guy in a lawn chair with a BB gun floating next to him. But I found out that was urban legend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a great line, wasn't it? But actually, they, they, they saw him on their radar. 
because it was, it was so big. We're talking eight-foot balloons and 43 of them, kind of in one, two, I think three sections going up. And so uh, he begins to <clears throat> shoot out balloons. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just, he, he's telling Letterman, I listened to him on Letterman, that, oh yeah, he didn't have a seatbelt, but he was pitched back far enough, you know, so he's comfortable. And then he's got to start shooting, he's got to shoot out selectively the balloons because he's too high and he needs to start working his way down to civilization. And uh, so he shoots out some balloons, but then he drops his pellet gun, his BB gun, his pellet gun. But fortunately, he'd, uh, he'd knocked out enough balloons that he descended, gets caught in a high-powered line. Thankfully, he doesn't get electrocuted. I think the strappings were like plastic. Gets caught and then falls to the ground, but knocks down the line, and that part of L.A. was uh, without power for like 20 minutes. Of course, he's attracted a lot of attention. There was a plan. He had people on the ground and CB. This has actually been recorded via one of the CB networks. And so he's talking to his girlfriend. She's like, come down, shoot those balloons down. You're going too fast. And he's going, oh, this is cool. He drops his glasses. And she goes, no. first thing he does, he drops his glasses, you know, because it gets jerked. It starts going too high, sending too high. And, uh, uh, and he goes, no, I had a second pair of glasses, honey. This is all good, you know, and he gets way up there. Uh, the police... Obviously, we're tracking him towards the end, and he was arrested when he hit the ground. Uh, there was one line that, again, was urban legend. He, they said, why did you do it as they have him cuffed up, and they're taking him to the paddy wagon? He says, because a man just can't sit around. He didn't say that. Uh, but isn't that a great line? But what he did say is this. He said, this, because Letterman, towards the end of his interview, he did like a 12, 15-minute interview right after this, flew him out to New York, and he said, um, so are you going to do this again? And he said, no. He said, this was a 20-year, this was the fulfillment of a 20-year dream. I accomplished my dream. I achieved, he said, seriously, I achieved inner peace. I'm really happy now. I don't need to do this again. True story. You say, so what's that have to do with Sunday morning? Because well, we're going to talk about dreaming a little bit this morning, okay? And I would just say this. The body of Christ, the king, we, Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's what we're a part of when we, when we follow Jesus, when we give our lives to Christ, when we attach ourselves to gospel and the, the Christ of, of the gospel and the, our resurrected Lord. And we're part of this kingdom that's not political, earthly, physical, but it's something supernatural. And, and the kingdom needs more dreamers and more visionaries Today, someone once said that successful people are motivated by a dream beyond them, and those that don't reach their success are only motivated by what they see today, only the immediate, the tangible that they can reach for, only what they can lay hold of. But those people that, like Larry, you know, at 13 years old, he saw this balloon hanging from a ceiling, he goes, this can take me to places I've never been before. Now, there, there is a sequence of dreams. I get my old clicker out here. You can click that for me and get me ahead there. Look at this sequence. It's, uh, and this is people who study, you know, visionaries and stuff. You, you, you think about it. You have that thought stage, you're dreaming of the dream. Then you, you kind of catch it, go, man, this, this is possible. And, uh, and that was probably Larry when he walked in and saw the balloon hanging from the ceiling, kind of filled with delight and, you know, that energy there. And then you bought it. See, so that's where you make the decision and you, you, you fight for it. And no matter what, you make that decision to go ahead with it. And then you... You, you, you seek it stage, and that's where it basically it possesses you. You can't, 
You just, that's all you think of. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about in areas of your life and how this relates to you. And then that, that fifth area is where you, you, just, you just get it. It, it, it. You've got it. You've, you've, you've reached it. It's the destination. It's mine. I'm glad I paid the price and uh, I've dreamed the dream. Now, let's look at the Apostle Paul because this really applies to him and it applies to his life story. And at the end of his life, near the end of his life, uh, or at least the end of Acts, where we see Paul is about to be uh, sent to Rome, he's, um, he's in Israel, and uh, he's, he's uh, being, uh, he's, he's kind of having a court hearing of sorts. And you can see this in Acts chapter 26. And, and, uh, and King Agrippa, he's, he's been brought before him, and some want to take Paul out and end his life. And and he's a Roman citizen, and he's all this going on leading up to this. But I just want you to see how uh, there's a dream and there's a vision that's being brought forth in his life. And it starts here in verse uh, 12. Uh, on, and he's telling his story to the king uh, about how he encountered Christ and uh, what his journey is all about. And as you says, on one of these journeys, because he's saying, I used to go and I used to take out early Christians. I persecuted people of the way, Christians, okay? And he says, on one of these journeys, I was on my way to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions, and, and we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard uh, for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I think he already knew. Uh, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Okay, so uh, this is the first thing that Paul saw. And this is and, and God's vision for Paul. First of all, it stopped him in his tracks and those with him, all right? He actually went blind for a season until he got to Damascus and somebody kind of prayed for him and, and the Lord opened up his eyes. But I mean, he was literally blinded. He was stopped in his tracks. And I think what we need to understand when we're looking to God for direction in our lives and for vision for direction, we must see ourselves properly before we see others, all right? Our position versus God's uh, potential for us, our potential in the Lord, is what we have to take into mind. And uh, I, I always reminded of Isaiah's vision. You can see it in Isaiah chapter uh, chapter six. If you want to look there with me, I'm just going to share one scripture. And Isaiah has this vision of heaven, and he says, "In in, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted." It's like he's getting this vision of heaven, the very throne room of God. How cool would that be? And he's seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So this glorious vision of the living God, Isaiah has this. And what's his first response? Not He sees the righteousness of God, but his first response is, man, I am ruined. I am undone. I am unworthy. I am a man with unclean lips. So the first thing he saw was his own position and that he was unrighteous, all right? Then what he says, and you can see this in the scripture, he saw others around him. He, the scripture says, uh, Isaiah said, I live among a people of unclean lips. So he says, man, I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. I'm undone. And I'm surrounded by people who are unworthy and who are unclean, who are undone. And, um, and then we see that he welcomed what God had for him in that moment. And, and the scripture there says that an angel took a coal, and this is the vision he's having and the encounter in the heavenlies. The angel takes a coal from the altar of God and he 
sounds like he's going to burn his face, but he touches his, his, his mouth, I think it is. And anyway, the, the symbolism there is he's cleansing is brought to Isaiah. And he is cleansed by God, and he welcomed that cleansing. And then he began to stretch out to others because God says, whom shall I send? There's brokenness all around. And, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Send me to the nations. Here I am, send me. That's a great picture of of what happens when we encounter God in our lives and he's speaking to us and he's directing us. And we need this kind of encounter with God where we, we're asking, Lord, where, where do you want me to turn? There's a, there's a fork in the road up ahead. I need you to show me where to go. I'm praying for direction on, on this, this sale, on this, this job interview, on this direction in education. I'm looking for you. There's a fork in the road. And don't be uh, like, what's his name said, the funny baseball player. When you see a fork in the road, take it. No, you can't just take it. You got to go left or right. And when you invite God into your direction, into the vision, into your dreams, then he's the one that leads us. Someone once said this, that the value of a vision, the value of a vision is that it encourages you to give up at any moment, all that you are in order to receive all that you can become. I like the sound of that, don't you? Because what I think I am and what God thinks I can become are two different things. What God, what you think you are or where you think you're at and where God wants you to be are two different things. That's the beauty of this journey we're walking on it, and Christ is the lead. Jesus is leading us, and it's good to dream and to have visions and to see uh, and to sense God's leading for us. Okay, so let's continue with Paul's story. Here in uh, verse 26 of Acts, verses 16 to 18, it says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I shared that a moment ago. The Lord replied, look at this. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I am sending you to them, to open eyes and, and turn them from the darkness to light and, and, and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified faith in me. Okay, so you can see that just by the highlighted word. Paul's vision literally sent him. There was a directive. There was a going. When the Lord inspires our dreams, we don't stay still for long. He was knocked down. You know, he was immobilized, but not for long. There was, a, there was a purpose that God has for Paul. There's a purpose that God has for us in our lives. And he's sending us and he's got a plan. And, and God-given vision first requires that we see ourselves and then that we see others. I just made mention of that. I elaborated. I want to elaborate more on that. That it's not ever about us. It's always in the kingdom about God using us to be a blessing to others. Now, some of you said, hold it, I... I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I wanted to buy into that. That's just the, because that, that's who Jesus is. That's the heart of God, for God so loved the world that he gave. And everything about Christ was his pouring out of his life, this high priest, as we see Hebrews say. And, and then we become Christ-like as we follow Jesus, and we're called Christians, which means Christ-like. And it means that we get to be raised up and, and released to be poured out and be a blessing to others. Paul's vision sent him. And by the way, I mean, you're in a local church, and you, you've, you, most of you know this, some of you maybe don't, but we have a corporate or a community dream and vision that's just ongoing, and it, it gets added to, and it gets strengthened, and we believe, we trust that it's, it's a growing vision. 
It's, it's about strengthening ourselves and strengthening others. Did you know that over 10% of all that comes in on Sundays when you drop money in the box, those of us who do that, or those of us who do push pay, over 10% of that, over $30,000, uh, we sow right back into local ministries and missions organizations and international organizations. I mean, from uh, right now, Dayspring is building a really cool, they're almost done with a really cool orphanage in central Mexico. Someone's been to the highlands or the mountains of Mexico. And, 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 and every month we are sowing into that ministry some of our resources, what you and I give, okay? That's good. Because, because it's not just about us. It's not just about us really feeling warm at a, at a bloom retreat or what was that thing down in Rockford? Yeah, the original. That's cool. You'd go, go girls. But that's not what it's all about. It's about being blessed to, to be poured out. And so, uh, so you can go as far down to Mexico, as far north as the villages of Alaska. And today we are supporting King Jesus North Pole radio station, KJNP and Calvary Lights Mission, as they pour into the villages there where roads don't even go, and they've been doing for 50 years. Or you can go as far as Africa, into the villages of Africa. Or you can go to the, uh, uh, the rehab centers through Teen Challenge, uh, and, and the leader of Teen Challenge, uh, who grew up in the Madison area, as we support him and uh, the Bremers, and, and, and their beautiful ministry there throughout Europe. I can go on. It was like 18 to 20, 10%. You know how there are days I'd love to have that 10% in my budget. I'm serious. My flesh would love, I, I could hire somebody else to, 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 to shovel the walks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love shoveling walks, okay? You know, uh, serious. can you imagine if he said, oh, you know what? That's not a big deal. Let's just take care of ourselves. But that's not, that's not our DNA. We will never, we have found when it's time for us to take a step of faith, we want to do more for others, you know? And so you realize we, we have a budget set up for youth ministry and children's ministry, but when, you're, when you realize those that we hire who do an amazing job with that, we are, we are investing thousands of dollars in resources that we give to be a blessing to point children to Jesus Christ here. Because it's not just about me feeling all warm and cozy and, and, and coming. Uh, and and I never get to relax on Sunday morning because I, I always kind of have a little nervous energy. That's why I shout so much when I speak, okay? But here's the deal. It's never in the kingdom about me. It's about me catching a hold of the vision God's giving me, the dream. And then I get to be raised up to be poured out poured out because that's the DNA of the living God, the God who created everything. For God so loved the world that he gave and he raises up a kingdom of Christ followers who've been transformed by the cross of Christ and his death on the cross and we're raised up and we get to be poured out. Oh man, I feel like preaching this morning. I feel like a southern preacher today. Amen. Okay, okay, okay. I'll settle down in a minute. I'm just, I'm getting inspired. Okay, so where am I? He, it, it sent him, right? And uh, the local church, okay, there we go. Okay, and I just love CR. Man, that's been a dream of ours. And thanks to, thanks to Zimmerman's and Rockwell's and a host. I just hanging out with Sean a little bit this week. And, you know, Sean, he, he comes on Tuesday night CR, and then he comes back on Wednesday night for a while, and then he comes back on Thursday night to eat my food at Connect Group. I think that's the only reason he comes, because he forgets his book half the time. But he says he likes my eating. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. 
But and then and then that, and then there's hardly any of us on Friday night because everybody's out enjoying uh, uh, for our once a month food pantry. Everybody's out having lunch with their sweethearts. But Sean was there, and I and I just I'm, Sean, thank you. You 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 pour out your life, and 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 you're a part of the CR team, and and I I just I'm so impressed with so many of you who give. And I'm sorry I don't name all your names because there's so what a wonderful team, but. That is a dream of ours, to see a place where people can, can experience Jesus Christ amidst their hurt or their habit or their hang-up. And, and we pray every Tuesday morning that God would continue to strengthen every facet of that ministry and that there'd be a day when they have to meet in here because there's so many people coming and experiencing living water that sets us free and refreshes and gives us life and hope and healing for our hurts. Amen? So, um, uh, but that's it. I just, uh, Paul's vision sent him, it's never about a stationary, feed me, you know. Wasn't that a Star Wars character? Feed me. It's about us being fed and being read Job of the Hut. That's right. It'd be, we're not Job of the Huts. We're Johnny Gospel and Jill Gospel, all right? So here we go. We go share the good news. That's what gospel means. All right. So that's a really bad, uh, that's a bad illustration. Okay, so uh, look at this. Let's continue with Paul's story. Verse 20, verse 20 and 22, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate the repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to the small and the great. He's in front of the king there in Israel. He's in front of leadership there and he's telling this story about his, his journey and his vision, his dream on Damascus Road where he encountered God. And this, this part of his dream is what strengthened him because he's saying God's help has been with me every day. Day by day, his presence is with me. Someone said, any problem is a problem when there is no purpose. No problem is a problem when there is a purpose. Go, that sounds really cool, Pastor Brian, but I'm not sure I believe it. I don't know if I do either, but I like the way it sounds, okay? Any problem is a problem when there's no purpose. That makes sense. But you know, when you believe in something and you have, and you have a focus, it's like, you know, that's not, you go that extra mile, like, I didn't even feel that. So I guess I do believe in that. I've encountered that. So when the Lord gives us vision, he also gives us strength to walk it out. Now, here's an example that you, you can just write this in your notes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm not going to go there. I go to chapter 12 in just a second here. But this is Paul's testimony, okay? He's the guy called on the road to Damascus. He's the one who stopped and then he's sent. And now he's being strengthened. But listen to his story when he's kind of boasting in what God has done in his life. Always God. And he's always in, he's embarrassed when he's talking this way. If you read here from 23 to 28 or 29, he says, Five times I received uh, from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times. I've heard you can hardly last one time, and he says, five times I've been lashed 40 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent a night and a day in open sea. Debbie, we're going to be, be, be cruising on that open sea. I, I hope we don't have a shipwreck. I'll, I'll help you if we do, all right? We're going to be up there where Paul was shipwrecked here in a couple of weeks. I'll take pictures so you can all see it. Debbie doesn't like boats, I don't think. Okay, so anyway, uh, a night and a day in open sea. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. You get the drift. He's just always in danger. I've gone without sleep, and I've known hunger, and I've known thirst. I've been without food, he says. 
And then he goes on to say, as it goes into the next chapter, there weren't chapters in this letter. This is the letter to the second Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians. And he goes on, and he says, and you know what? Just when I start kind of feeling like super apostle, I just realize how weak I am. My strength's in the Lord. In fact, he said, I've had this thorn in the flesh, and nobody, don't think you know what it is, because he doesn't tell us what it is. But he has this, some say, oh, it was bad eyesight. Can you imagine not having glasses in that day? And you're, I, I take it off. You guys are just a blur right now. You're just a, a pile of blur, okay? Can you imagine? Some say, well, maybe it was his eyesight, or maybe it was an ulcer, or who knows? We don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. We just know he had something that was bothering him. He felt it was, uh, Paul said, it was sent from Satan to try to derail him. And, and, and here's what he says. Look at this scripture. I love this. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, this thorn, this thing. But he said to me, and this is red letter in your Bible, my, Jesus is saying to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, Paul says, more gladly above my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution. I just read all those to you, right? In difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Wow. When the Lord gives you and I a vision, when he gives us a dream, he gives us the strength to walk it out. In fact, it's best we go in and we recognize our, in humility our weakness because it's in our weakness that we are made strong. That's upside down, isn't it? My culture tells me when I'm strong, I'm strong. But in the kingdom, it's when we're weak is when we experience the strength of the Lord. Moving along, here we go. Uh, Verses 28 and 29, then Agrippa said to Paul, King says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be chained up, heading to prison, but I want you to become what I am. And, and that was a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is the stretching that occurred in Paul's life. Backtrack 20 years or whatever it was, I can't remember, but backtrack to the beginning on the road to Damascus. He had gotten a certificate to go and hunt out people of the way. That's what they called Christians at first. People of the way. To pull them out of their houses and to ship them back for trial in Jerusalem. So he's heading north to Damascus. And look at how far he's come. Look at how God has stretched him through his vision. He went from a persecutor and a destroyer of, of life and those who are called by Jesus to follow Jesus. And now he's one that is standing in front of magistrates kings and rulers, and proclaiming that the only way is through God the Son, Jesus Christ. He's the way to to eternal life. He's the way to life eternal. How cool. There's a vast difference between a person with a dream and a dreamer. (laughs) There's days I'm a dreamer. You are too. But there's another thing when God drops something in our hearts and we begin to dream. A dreamer talks a lot but doesn't say very much. (laughs) A, a, A person with a dream Talks little, but does a lot because you're on mission and you're being strengthened and you're being stretched by God. A dreamer uh, sees the dream and says, wow, how cool, you know? Look, a a balloon in the army surplus store. (laughs) A person with a dream says, I'm going to take that balloon and 44 of its friends someday and I'm going to fly over LAX. I don't know if he said that, but it was there. It was something was gestating, right? Something was was working in, uh, in Larry's heart. And something's working in my heart today. Something's working in yours because God plants seeds and vision and dreams in our hearts. A dreamer, he sees the dream and he says, 
cool. Or something like that. But a person with a dream, he sees the dream and he stretches towards it and he, he owns it. He grabs a hold of it, okay? Which brings us to our last scripture. Paul says in verse 19 to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Paul's vision, it satisfied him. He was satisfied in it. He didn't rebel against it. He didn't bristle or, or buck up. And, and, you know, he just, he didn't go rigid. He just said, I'm going to run in it. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to pursue the God that's giving it to me. And someone said that the happiest people in the world are those who have found something outside of themselves. Something's, something bigger than themselves. Uh, and it helps to make them forget themselves so that they can give themselves to the dream. Uh, I was having coffee with my best friend yesterday. Um, we were talking about this in Connect Group. Do you have a best friend? And I told you about my best friend. I met him when I was five years old and he was three years old. And he married my sister. So then we just get to be friends forever. All right. And uh, we talk to each other a lot. And usually it's about how bad the Packers are and how good the Vikings are, you know. So, you know, we have, we just have a wonderful brotherly relationship. He, he was in town. He was nearby. He's at my folks and he came in and took me to breakfast, went down to Brothers Three, best omelets on the avenue. Ambiance, well, we won't talk about that, but the omelets are great. And so we're sitting and talking and he's sharing with me a guy that he knows that retired at 57 years old. And we looked at each other and we go, what do you do? If you retire that young, and he said, well, he's taken 12 months to, you know, fix um, a toilet at his brother-in-law's house. He said his speed has just turned into like snail pace or whatever. And then, and then we kind of looked at each other and realized, you know, we will never have that problem of retiring or even when we retire that we're actually retiring because my brother-in-law is a big kingdom guy. He just loves Jesus and he loves the kingdom. And I'm committed to it. I, it's my profession, and it's not going to stop when I retire from here someday. It's, just, it's, who, it's in our DNA as Christ's followers. We, we, we've received so that we can be poured out. And, and it's so cool because, he, I mean, there is a, a woman that passed away unexpectedly who I remember picking up. My parents pastored the church that they still attend in Minneapolis. And I remember picking up this family, a mother and the little daughter. Now you fast forward 50 years, literally, and the mother passed away about a year ago. And my brother-in-law is the executor of the will. And she's disabled. This, this woman now, she's a little girl when I know her. And she's disabled. And my brother-in-law and my sister just manage her finances and make sure she's cared for and love her. And she, you know, help her get to church. And she just, this, that's her family. And I think we will never be bored. We will never wake up watching Jeopardy in 10 years or 20 going, is this all there is to life? When I say we, I'm talking about you. You're a Christ follower. There's a dream. There's a vision that's been placed in your life. There's a call on your heart and your life. Let me tell you something. You retire and all it does is open up new opportunities for us to be poured out for the sake of the cross, for Jesus' sake. And if you're retired, call me. My goodness, there's things we can do for the Lord. I still get paid to do it and you can come and do it for free. Don't you love that? I do. Need more retired people, like the Crouches. My goodness, it was as cold as 
I don't know, brass toilet in an outhouse on Friday, and we're out there. That's a good one, isn't it? I like, think of it. Think of that. If, you're, if, if you live in Minnesota and you have an outhouse with a brass toilet seat. So there's the crouches coming in. And, of course, every Friday that we have the food pantry, Joan brings some kind of a sweet thing. And, and she's sitting there with her cane mostly to hit me when I go by with a cart that I'm pushing. And, she's, and, and they're serving there. And they've been retired for 20 years or whatever. And they don't know what, they, because what God's placed in them, they just get to pour back out. Now, listen. They're not the only ones here today that have that availability. You pray about this message today. And there's others of you who you say, well, I'm still full-time. I'm still work." That doesn't mean there's not room on your pie, on your plate, for you to slice off something to be poured out for the sake of Jesus Christ. And the church is not the only place to do it. We have this food pantry once a month. There's other ways in your neighborhood and all kinds of, and there's plenty of opportunity within the body of Christ here as we minister to lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you're going to find that out next week. Ooh, wow, there's a segue. Next week, come, serve Sunday. What, what did I call that? I called it ministry. I called it everything that's wrong. It's serve Sunday, and it's going to be fun. And, uh, and it's, you get to get up close and personal with all that's happening here. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll just see uh, if there's not something where the Holy Spirit's leading some of us to connect or, or, or reconnect in some area, okay? So how cool. That's great. So I think that's, uh, that's all. Let's stand together. Happiest people in the world are those who have found something outside of themselves, bigger than themselves, to make them forget themselves so that they can give themselves to the dream. What's needed, what the kingdom needs today is men and women who are ready, willing, and able to dream big in God and committed to the fulfillment of the, of the dream that the Lord gives you. Men and women who are ready to wear out their knees in prayer until we see as a fellowship that we've got what God's called us to grab a hold of. All right, remember that? We think about it. We kept the, the, you know, the levels of the dream or the vision. You think about it. You thought. You, you caught it. You buy it. You, you seek it. You know, but you have to get it. We've got to own it. And there are things that God's going to be calling us to own in even the days ahead. And we just need a team of people to believe and to grab a hold of it and to press in until we've got it in our hands. Amen? And it's always about people. You know, we're going to try to build a, an addition here. That's just brick and mortar. It's always about lives and hearts that pump, and we long for them to pump for the glory of God as they encounter the, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Amen. Let's sing a song. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.